Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. We're continuing today with Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and we're on chapter 9, so if for some reason you clicked on this video without having listened to the other chapters, please go back, because it's a really good book. And um, my southern accents are very fun <laughs> being British. They're pretty good. Um, they can definitely use some improvement, but they're, they're pretty good. Um, yeah. If you want to support the show, subscribe, go to the store, join the channel, all the sorts of things like that. And you could do the same on podcast. You can click the little join channel thing and you help support me and turn this into my full-time job, which would be marvellous. Let's dive in. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn was written in a time when terrible slurs and actions were used to oppress the African-American people. These words and actions still cause harm today, and I, Isaac, would never wish to do so to any of these people. Any racial slurs that occur in this book shall be bleeped to avoid causing offence, and to guarantee that I can get paid for making these videos. I do however believe that you cannot censor the past, and that by trying to censor books, you are trying to pretend that the actions of our ancestors didn't happen. And for this reason, the book shall be remaining unchanged apart from these little bleeps. If you still find this triggering or offensive, then please check out another book. I wanted to go and look at a place right about the middle of the island that I found when I was exploring. So we started, and soon got to it, because the island was only three miles long and a quarter mile wide. This place was a tolerable, long, steep hill, or ridge, about 40 foot high. We had a rough time getting to the top. The sides were so steep, and the bushes so thick. We tramped and clumped all over it, and by and by I found a good, big cavern in the rock, most up to the top on the side towards Illinois. The cavern was as big as two or three rooms bunched together, and Jim could stand up straight in it. It was cool in there. Jim was for putting our traps in there right away, but I said we didn't want to go climbing up and down there all the time. Jim said if we had the canoe hid in a good place and had all the traps in the cavern, we could rush there if anybody was to come to the island, and they would never find us without dogs. And besides, he said, them little birds had said it was going to rain, and did I want things to get wet? So we went back and got the canoe and paddled up abreast the cavern and lugged all the traps in there. Then we hunted up a place close by to hide the canoe in amongst the thick willows. We took some fish off of the lines and set them again and began to get ready for dinner. The door of the cavern was big enough to roll a hog's head in and on one side of the door the floor stuck out a little bit and was flat and a good place to build a fire. So we built it there and cooked dinner. We spread the blankets inside for a carpet and ate our dinner in there. We put all the other things handy in the back of the cavern. Pretty soon it darkened up and began to thunder and lightning, so the birds was right about it. Directly it began to rain, and it rained like fury too, and I'd never seen the wind blow so. It was one of these regular summer storms. It would get so dark that it looked all blue-black outside, and lovely. And the rain would thrash along by so thick that the trees off a little ways looked dim and spiderwebby and here would come a blast of wind that would bend the trees down and turn up the pale undersides of the leaves. And then a perfect ripper of a gust would follow along and set the branches to toss in their arms if they was just wild. And next, when it was just about the bluest and blackest, thst, it was as bright as glory, and you'd have a glimpse of the treetops plunging about, away off yonder in the storm, hundreds of yards further than you could see before. Darkest sin again in a second, and you could hear the thunder let go with an awful crash, 
and then go rumbling, grumbling, tumbling down towards the underside of the world. Like rolling empty barrels downstairs, where it's long stairs, and they bounce a good deal, you know? Jim, this is nice, I says. I wouldn't want to be nowhere else but here. Pass me along another hunk of fish and some hot cornbread. Well, you wouldn't have been here if it hadn't been for Jim. You'd have been down there in the woods, at any dinner, and getting most drowned, too. That you would, honey. Chickens know when it's going to rain, and so do the birds, child. The river went on, raising and raising, for ten, twelve days, till at last it was over the banks. The water was three or four foot deep on the island in the low places and on the Illinois bottom. On that side, it was a good many miles wide. But on the Missouri side, it was the same distance across, half a mile, because the Missouri shore was just a wall of high bluffs. Daytime, we paddled all over the island in the canoe. It was mighty cool and shady in the deep woods, even if the sun was blazing outside. We went widen, in and out amongst the trees, and sometimes the vines hung so thick we had to back away and go some other way. Well, on every broken-down tree you could see rabbits and snakes and such things, and when the island had been overflowed a day or two, they got so tame on account of being hungry that you could paddle right up and put your hands on them if you wanted to. But not the snakes and turtles. They would slide off in the water. The ridge our cavern was in was full of them. We could have had pets enough if we wanted them. One night, we catched a little section of a lumber raft, nice pine planks. It was 12 foot wide and about 15, 16 foot long, and the top stood above water 6 or 7 inches, a solid level floor. We could see saw logs go by in the daylight, sometimes, but we let them go. We didn't show ourselves in the daylight. Another night, when we was up at the head of the island, just before daylight, here comes a frame house down on the west side. She was a two-story and tilted over considerable. We padded out and got aboard and clumb in an upstairs window. But it was too dark to see yet, so we made the canoe fast and set in her to wait for daylight. The light began to come before we got to the foot of the island. The light began to come before we got to the foot of the island. Then we looked in at the window. We could make out a bed and a table and two old chairs and lots of things round the floor. And there was clothes hanging against the wall. And there was something laying in the far corner that looked like a man. So Jim says, Hello, you. But didn't budge. So I hollered again. And then Jim says, The man ain't asleep. He's dead. You old still. I'll go and see. He went and bent down and looked and says, It's a dead man. Yes, indeedy. Naked, too. He was shot in the back. Reckon he'd be dead two or three days. Come in, Huck, but don't look at his face. Too ghastly. I didn't look at him at all. Jim throwed some old rags over him, but he needn't done it. I didn't want to see him. There was heaps of old, greasy cards scattered all over the floor, and old whiskey bottles, and a couple of masks made out of black cloth, and all over the walls was the ignorantest kind of words and pictures made with charcoal. There was two dirty calico dresses and a sunbonnet, and some women's underclothing hanging against the wall, and some men's clothing, too. We put the lot into the canoe. Might come good. There was a boy's old speckled straw hat on the floor. I took that, too. And there was a bottle that had milk in it, and it had a rag stopper for a baby to suck. We would have took the bottle, but it was broke. 
there was a seedy old chest and an old hair trunk with the hinges broke. They stood open, but there weren't nothing left in them that was any count. The way things were scattered about, we reckon the people left in a hurry and weren't fixed so as to carry off most of their stuff. We got an old tin lantern and a butcher knife without any handle and a brand new barlow knife worth two bits and any stone and a lot of tallow candles and a tin candlestick and a gourd and a tin cup and a ratty old bed quilt off the bed and a reticle with needles and pins and beeswax and buttons and thread and all such tuck in it and a hatchet and some nails and a fish line as thick as my little finger with some monstrous hooks on it and a roll of burkskin and a leather dog collar and a horseshoe and some vase of medicine that didn't have no label on them. And just as we were leaving, I found a tolerable good curry comb, and Jim found a ratty old fiddle bow, and a wooden leg. The straps was broke off it, but barring that, it was a pretty good leg, though it was too long for me, and not long enough for Jim. And we couldn't find the other one, though we hunted all around. And so, take it all around, we made a good haul. When we was ready to shove off, we was a quarter mile below the island, on its pretty broad day, so I made Jim lay down in the canoe and cover up with the quilt, because if he sat up, people would tell he was a nick from a good ways off. I paddled over to the Illinois shore and drifted down most half a mile doing it. I crept up the dead water under the bank and had no accidents and didn't see nobody. We got home all safe. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed, do subscribe because there's more to come. And if you listen on podcast, please leave a review. Five stars preferred, but you have free will. Do as you please. Uh, but it would help get this in front of as many people as possible, which would be great. And if you really want to support me, join the show or go to the store. Um, once again, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>